notes. I've got one student who's got this A4 a, a lever arch file that's properly full with tabs and there's highlighting and there's post-it notes and it's the most beautiful thing you've ever seen. And ask her what's in it and bless her heart, despite all the work she's put in, she has no idea. Every so often I get a little email that says, I don't understand my math. <laughs> get an email. Apparently that's, that's yeah. modern parenting. <laughs> it's interesting looking at students that I've got today who actually I see a little bit of me in. And actually I find that quite useful because I can go, oh yes, I remember doing this and I know where this is going to end. With a number of my students, this, we've taken it as an opportunity to go, right, we're going to go and read a book because we like it. You can understand literature so much better if you put it in historical context. So often I walk into a session and somebody says to me, oh, my God, I've got an essay that it's, that's due tomorrow and I don't know how to talk about it. And so we, you know, if I do plan, then it tends to get torn up anyway. So... <laughs> Welcome to the Qualified Tutor Podcast. I'm your host, Ludo Miller, and I'll be interviewing tutors and thought leaders from across the tutoring landscape to inspire, inform, and motivate you to become the best tutor you can be. The Qualified Tutor Community is a safe and supportive space for tutors who love to learn and grow. We offer training, resources, ideas, and a chance to connect with like-minded tutors. If you'd like to continue the conversation, join our Qualified Tutor Community at www.qualifiedtutorcommunity.org or find it in the show notes. Welcome to the Qualified Tutor Podcast. Uh, today, we are delighted to be welcoming, welcoming on Nicola Birkinshaw, uh, who is uh, an English and, and, and history tu- tutor with, uh, with many, many years of, of experience. So, Nicola's career as a tutor was started off as uh, was meant to be a bit of a hobby, but but now tutors full time, uh, like so many other wonderful tutors we, we've come across in in recent months. Uh, Nicola is a a self confessed self confessed readaholic. Um, Nicola said to me when we last spoke, um, "You're safe behind a book, aren't you?" Which, by the way, I love as a phrase. Uh, I think that phrase will, will give so many tutors and students uh, such confidence in in their skills and in their kind of reading ability. Um, so uh, Nicola has built her, her service out considerably over the past uh, four or so years. Um, and you can find out all about Nicola's work, uh, including her blogs, resources, the subjects tour and, and more on uh, englishandhistorytutor.com, which will be in the, in the show notes below. But today, today we'll be diving into Nicola's tips for how we inspire students and, and, and how um, Nicola has found our students' goalposts and have changed kind of over the last few months. So Nicola, it's a pleasure to welcome you on uh, as a fellow professional in the tutoring field. Hi. How are you doing? Really good, thank you. Very good. So um, it's, it's it's always a good move to dive straight in. Uh, and I think, uh, as we mentioned before, and, and as so many listeners will have uh, remembered from past podcasts, that there's one question that sets out, uh, you know, our guests from the very beginning and gives a really good insight into into how they were as a student and, and how that's led to them uh, now as, as as a member of the educational field. So. Nicola, what kind of a student were you? 
this was the scariest question um, that you asked me. And um, and I've been thinking about it a lot and I've decided that I've actually got two answers in that there's what I thought I was like and there's what I was actually like. And what I thought I was like was I thought I was very, very hardworking and, and, and very intensely interested in academia and that sort of thing. What I was actually like was in a state of panic all the time because I was always really, really scared of not being brilliant because being okay, as far as I was concerned, was, was simply not acceptable. So although I really wanted to be really, really academic and really wanted to get the A stars as they were then and, uh, you know, go off and, and do great academic things, I wasn't really doing that because I was so worried that I wouldn't achieve it. So actually, if you ask my teachers, they'd probably tell me, tell you that I was terribly disorganised um, and things like that. Um, despite the fact I really wanted to do well. And I, it's interesting looking at students that I've got today who actually I see a little bit of me in. And actually, I find that quite useful because I can go, oh, yes, I remember doing this and I know where this is going to end. Yeah, so uh, I've heard that a few times before. I, I wanted to ask as well, is this something that you say to them? Is this something that you let on to your tutors that you go, oh, you know, I see a lot of myself in you? Or do you, do you tend to hang back and keep that to yourself? Really depends. <laughs> um, depends on the student, depends where we are in our relationship, as it were. You know, it's not something I would say on the first time I meet them. Um, and also one thing I would say is, Although I might see elements, um, we all have a very different experience. Um, so, you know, I might see somebody who is disorganised and not getting work completed, but their reasons for that may well come from a completely different place. Um, so I try to avoid saying it, um, you know, unless I know them quite well, at which point, you know, we may well have a bit of a joke about it. Um, and, uh, you well, know. At which point they, they probably have maybe realize that already um, <laughs> at that stage in the relationship as you say and and then that's that's such a key point that you, that you brought up there is, is actually that um you know that relationship not only allows learning to to increase but actually brings out so many of these other things and actually you know creates that that partnership um between a student and tutor that uh, that we're you know that, that we're really searching for um so that, that that's really interesting it's uh, it's funny to see that you know to hear that you have these two sides one that you've come to realize perhaps you are more like um perhaps that that's uh, that reveals a lot and 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 i'm sure many other tutors share that um so on the subject of that really you know, and, and and maybe we've touched on that already what 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 do you see as your uh, objective as as a tutor it really depends on the student um i think the key word that we just used is relationship um I, most, not most, a large proportion of my students have been with me for a significant amount of time. So I've got kids that I started with in key stage three and who are now doing A-levels. Um, you know, so a number of them have, I've been working with for two or three, four years. And that relationship allows us to do something different. What happens in the school, what happens in the classroom, you know, classroom teachers do an incredible job. And you know, I used to do it and I Frankly, I'm not cut out for it anymore. It's completely beyond me. But tutors are fulfilling a different need. And it is to do with creating an environment in which a student can thrive, which is different to a classroom. Um, a classroom is, is there for a, a mass of people. 
what you're doing is creating a space for an individual that is designed for that individual. And of course, it's about making them make progress or helping them make progress. And that comes from building their confidence. And again, confidence, I think, is a key, key point in all of this. Um, you know, there are no students who don't want to learn. And there's no such thing as a stupid student. There's just students who haven't found their way or haven't found their reason. And your job as a tutor is to help them find that. But I think on the other side of that is it, you do need to think about if you if you are starting out as a tutor, you need to think about what you don't want to do and what you don't want to be as well. You know, if you have, for example, left teaching in a classroom, then there's no point becoming a tutor and doing exactly what you used to do in the classroom. Um, if you um, if you really hate the way everything's so very exam focused, then you know don't offer yourself as a tutor who's guaranteeing grade nines and things like that. Um, for me, exams are a, a, a useful marker, but they are a byproduct of learning. And for me, my, my main objective is, is to inspire confidence and progress their learning. And everything else is a bonus. So it may have come as great news to you then that uh, exams this year for, for many students won't, won't be taking place then? And yes, um, without wanting to dive into the politics of it, um, obviously, the more notice everybody has about what's going on, the better, obviously. Um, using exams to measure students doesn't measure every aspect of a student and doesn't measure every aspect of their ability. It measures how well they can do an exam. And while that is not a useless piece of information, it's not necessarily the most useful piece of information. Um, and what I'm seeing with a number of my students, there are some who are, who are sat there going, I've been working towards these exams all my life and now they've been taken away and I don't know what my, <laughs> what my purpose is anymore. And there are some who feel like that and I, I feel hugely for them. But there's a significant proportion as well who have been freed by it because they are now really embracing the idea that everything that they do now is actively moving them towards their grade, not just just an hour and a half on a Friday afternoon, you know, <laughs> drafty sports hall. It's everything is moving them towards that. And so they really are embracing that idea of progress and improvement and that sort of thing. And obviously it's, you know, from perspective of managing it and all that sort of thing, you know, that's, we'll, we'll see what happens, what the reality of it's like. But theoretically, um, measuring kids on what they've done over a period of time, I can't help feeling is a healthier way to do things. Yeah, so so going further on that, um, for, for a tutor perhaps who, who, who only started tutoring you know, recently and, and has uh, always been working towards exams and has then, you know, been hit by by this news. How does our strategy change as a tutor when when exams are gone? Um, this year, um, personally, and I would imagine most tutors will be been following the same sort of um, attitude that I have, which is actually it doesn't change. Except in so far as we're not, you know, teaching people to work to time or anything like that. But if we have been teaching about skills and we've been teaching about content and we've been teaching about 
how to produce an essay or you know how to analyze a piece of writing those skills are still necessary and they're still needed um and actually what we've got now is a little bit of freedom um i mean i know that a lot of schools have been doing have been going quite assessment crazy um and again completely understandably because you know they haven't really known what they've been working with so they're desperately building up evidence but from students perspective there are an awful lot of very tired very drained and quite bored students out there um and so this is i mean for, again with a number of my students this we've taken it as an opportunity to go right we're going to go and read a book because we like it and we're going to go and analyze why we like it we're going to do it for the fun of it and you know what we are going to do some learning that's going to come out of that naturally but there's no point just you know going over and over exam questions and things because we're not going to do an exam and that's great we can go and you know investigate historical rabbit holes on wikipedia you know, disappear down you know the causes of the russian civil war and things like that and do it because we're interested and actually if you start doing that first of all, I think that's just generally really good for students because it moves them away from that mindset that learning is about getting a grade and into, well, let's do this because it's fun, which is definitely a healthier way to be. There we go. There it is. Fun. Uh, and uh, there's uh, undoubtedly a correlation between exams going and students having more fun. But I think it's a little bit, it's perhaps a little bit deeper than that. But um, no, that, that, that's you know, um, incredibly uh, useful to, to, to draw out there um, in how we move our, our goalposts slightly from when exams change. You know, Easter is normally uh, traditionally a big period for, for preparing students for exams. And, and, and even those tutors who, who, whose primary goal as a student is, uh, as a tutor, sorry, is to build their students confidence and ability in, in a wide range of skills. Even those kind of tutors traditionally would, would move towards exam prep and, and pass papers in this period. So there's gonna be a big change um, this Easter and, and we're not wholly unprepared for it. You know, obviously this time last year, we were thinking the same thing, but, but we're much more prepared now. Um, and we, we, we've, we've had another year of this, this disrupted learning. So I feel tutors have built and students have built that resilience. Um, so looking, you know, slightly further ahead, Nicola, and, and perhaps this is something that you've given in, an increasing amount of thought to recently. What does this summer and, and kind of building into the next start of the next academic year hold for, for tutors? I think it's going to be a real emphasis on the transition, basically, because we um, certainly if you look at the year groups that have just, for example, um, for those who deal with younger kids who've dealt with a, a year sixes who've gone into year seven in the September just gone, you know, those kids have had a, a really difficult time because you know they've they've gone into a new school and it's it's all you know they've been locked down again and it's all all been changed um we've got those kids who are making their gcse choices and going in to start gcse but you know with the best will in the world have not had quite the same uh you know preparation for that that they might have had and you've got those who are finishing their GCSE going into A levels and again not necessarily getting that that access to you know preparation that they might do um the focus is I would suggest um I know that there is a lot of talk about catch-up personally I'm not sure that that's necessarily a particularly Again, I'm going to use the word healthy, a healthy way to approach things. 
um, you know, who do you need to catch up with if everybody has fallen behind? Maybe it, it isn't useful to talk about that. But what we do need to do is get back into that idea again of progress and moving people on and getting them back into, not necessarily back into, like I said before, not necessarily back into exam mindset and things like that, but back into uh, regular learning, back into, um, you know, the, the demands of school in general, um, getting people back used to that sort of lifestyle, which is going to be a shock to the system to all of us on Monday, frankly. We're all going to be slightly taken aback by that. Um, but I think over the summer, you know, there will be talk about catch up and things like that. But um, most importantly, is just get people back used to normality um, as students and teachers and parents, actually, isn't it? That's everybody. I think so. Yeah. But let's not forget parents in this situation. This is going to yeah. I, was, I was tutoring uh, yesterday and I was speaking to, to the the father of, of my student and he was saying, almost whispering to me while the student was sat there saying, I was asking him about the return to school and he went, yeah, it's going to be so good to the children and and me and my wife are going to have a huge party. As well. I think it's, you know, really, we can't underestimate what, what the, the effects, the impact this has had on, on, on parents um, who often, you know, forgotten in this in this wider debate about, about schools and students' progress and not missing out and catch up. Um, so that's that's a, a really important point to, to pull out. And obviously, as a mother yourself, as a parent yourself, that, that's something that's very um that's very dear to you. I think uh, what's interesting is that this conversation is being recorded just before the return to school on Monday, the 8th of March. But it will uh, you, listeners will be hearing it, uh, you know, just a couple of weeks after schools have gone out. So um, I hope I'm not kind of we're not tempting fate. You know, I hope there's that the return to school by this point, well, as listeners are hearing it, has, has gone smoothly and that we're not in you know, a back out of school again or <laughs> disrupted learning or there's homeschooling, all of those things. So um, but I just want to sidestep. So that, that's been a, a really good discussion there about exams and then how we as tutors can prepare for um in exams or, or the lack of uh, and what this summer may hold in terms of kind of progress and transition i think that's, that's really helpful stuff there but um you know your your, your goal as a, as a tutor nicola is, is you know all over your your website and and, and kind of the, the work you do is that you help to build students confidence you know you've mentioned before that you see tutoring as an opportunity to to turn a subject into a passion um rather than you know, as you said something that you you have to take in order to pass an exam mm. so um i wanted to to know really i wanted to dive a little bit deeper into how you think we you know we inspire a student's confidence um you know on the one hand when the academic goals and, and deadlines are so uncertain but perhaps just more generally how, how what, are you, what are your tips for kind of for building that confidence when things are are, are uncertain first of all um you need to know your student and know where they are you've, you've got to have clarity of what they are able to do um Often, when I'm, my first session with a student is always just a chat um and it always starts out as just a chat and it's you know and I'll I'll ask them, you know, I'll ask them why they want to work with me, to which they sometimes will say, because my mum told me to. <laughs> At which point you start to get an idea of what's going on. Um, um, often what you find is that you have these uh, kids who are, as far as they can tell, are doing all the things that they ought to be doing and yet not hitting the marks that they want. And again, this comes down to the, the fact that classroom teachers, as hard as they work, are spread way too thinly and can't possibly give the sort of feedback that they need. So when you 
when you talk to the students and you start to get an idea of, of what they're doing, um, you can usually spot pretty quickly where the problems are. And in fact, there's only really a very small number of problems, certainly in my subjects, there's, there's only really a very small number of, of areas that need work. And they're usually fairly predictable and quite fixable. And it's really about making sure that the student is brave enough to do what they need to do. In my subjects, the big thing that always scuppers students is planning. It's a lack of planning, actually. Um, because you will tell students, right, so you're going to write this essay, and then you get to so we'll plan it all out, and then, and then you go away and write it. And what they're doing is writing an essay without ever actually looking at the plan, um, for example. Um, and when I talk to students about it, it is all about confidence because, again, if we go back to an exam situation, what happens is they go into an exam, they've got 45 minutes to write an essay, and they go, oh, I've got to spend 15 minutes planning, I've got to spend that much time writing. Um, and it's a lack of confidence. Um, so there's an element of it's about repetition, but there's also an element of them seeing the difference and demonstrating the difference difference between doing it this way and doing it that way. And the other um, a, a really obvious example is, is revision. I've got a huge number of wonderful, wonderful students who work really, really hard. And what they do is they produce these incredible notes. I've got one student who's got this A4 a, a lever arch file that's properly full with tabs and there's highlighting and there's post-it notes and it's the most beautiful thing you've ever seen. And ask her what's in it and bless her heart despite all the work she's put in she has no idea and that's not through lack of work and it's not because she's stupid or anything like that it's because what she's done is safe because copying something out is a safe way to to revise because she knows what she's doing and she knows if she's copied it out then she knows she's put down the right words when you've got their confidence, you can start to get someone like this student go, okay, no, actually, what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask myself a question about this and I'm going to mind map some possibilities. Or yes, I'm going to make myself a timeline. I do like a good timeline, the historian. That's, that's my favourite. But if I'm going to make a timeline, I'm not just going to say this happened, this happened, this happened, this happened. I'm going to identify the things that are economically significant and I'm going to identify um, points on the timeline when there are particular tensions or whatever. And it's about getting students out of a comfort zone, which is there because they're scared, um, and putting them in a position where they can try and do something a little bit more risky. And again, Ultimately, it does come down to a relationship, them feeling that they can do things and get them wrong with you, that they can say things and not feel stupid about them. And to some extent, I, I, I do think that it's important as well that they recognise that you are not perfect as well, that you make mistakes and you try things and they go wrong and then you try something else and they start to see the whole thing as a necessary part of the process of learning rather than just you have to be perfect first time around. Yeah, that's a, a brilliant message to end on as well. You know, 
not searching for perfection in everything you do is is, is a you know, handy life tip for anyone let alone just for a student um absolutely and really important for uh also for sort of calming students down if if, if yeah. the work gets a bit too tough or if they don't understand the point and you've already been over it you know a couple of times uh, it's fine you don't have to get it this time let's revisit it move on revisit it next time if you don't get it that time that's also fine we'll look back at it you know another time we'll look at it in a different way perhaps or um uh, you know lots of resources coming out now that uh, you know have been av available and used by tutors for 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 you know centuries but which are now being spread to the kind of to to, to the wider tutoring community of you know ask them to to draw the topic instead of writing about it you know if it's an essay ask them to draw it or ask them to uh, record a little film you know obviously we're so tech capable these days with everything being moved online that recording a short video about your topic asking your your tutor to to give a short presentation about the topic sorry asking your student to give a short presentation about the topic um these are all different ways just to just to bring um bring the topic alive especially if, the, if they're struggling with it um and kind of on that theme but just a, love to to finish on you know the kind of practical tips that that tutors can leave with um you know you're someone who uh, moved to tutoring uh from from teaching and, and now makes it your full-time uh, profession what what three tips would you have for for a tutor just starting out um i would say first of all um in terms of I touched on it a moment ago. In terms of your knowledge, obviously you want to know your stuff. Of course you do. But don't pretend that you know everything and don't try to know everything. I mean, as I say, I'm a historian. I I um, offer myself to teach uh, GCSE to A level. I've covered many of the main topics, but there will be people who come to me and say, I want to do this topic for A level, and I won't ever have looked at it at all. And sometimes that's the most successful tutoring because you learn alongside them. So be willing to say, I don't know about it. Let's find out together. And also be willing to be wrong occasionally. <laughs> that's very important. I think um, second of all, really, um, really know if you're tutoring online, know your tech. Um, it sounds so obvious, doesn't it? But it, you don't have to have lots of flashy tech. You don't need to. If you're not a technologically literate or technologically confident sort of person, you don't need to be all singing and dancing. Ultimately, tutoring is a conversation more than anything else. But know, but know what you're using and it make sure that you're you're comfortable with it and remember that your students probably learning too because frankly we've all had a steep learning curve and um you know we're all zoom experts now pretty much um, but, you know with everybody start somewhere i think um sort of the the final thing is is and again this comes down to relationships and it's a it's not always an easy one to bear in mind but always assume that your student wants to learn um, you know, I, I see quite often on, on um, tutoring forums, people say, oh, this student just doesn't want to engage with me and so on and so forth. Um, and the, the question is always in my head, well, why don't they want to? Because I, I can honestly say I've never encountered a child who doesn't want to do well. They, I've encountered many children who don't know how to do well, but I've never encountered one who doesn't want to do well. And it's our job as tutors to find a way in. And if they appear to be resistant, then we need to try something new. And that can be quite difficult for us to do. And sometimes it's a case that they need a different tutor. Yeah, sometimes a relationship doesn't work and we need to accept that. But ultimately, 
every student wants to learn. Maybe that maybe that could be the title of the podcast. Every student wants to learn. <laughs> it's a great it's a, it's a great sentiment uh, and um, and important for, for all tutors to remember. Important for uh, a tutor just starting out to remember who might yeah. you know, sometimes we see the first sessions are a bit rocky and maybe that tutor suddenly thinks, you know what, actually this isn't. I'm not cut out for this. Ah, I can't do it. This no no one wants to learn with me. I'm not good enough. No, step back. Uh, the, the, student, the student does want to learn. It can be contextual factors like they're having a bad day or yeah. find a topic particularly hard or you know something as simple as you know they, they really want uh, dinner at that point. You know, it's, it can be anything really. And we've, we've all come across these, these uh, very contextual factors that, that, that yes. don't affect child's wider learning. Um, yeah. But uh, to be quite honest, Nicola, I, I think all of our listeners, including myself, would, would benefit from a, a tutoring session with you um so uh, maybe that's where we can start rolling out sort of competition you know win a free session with uh, with Nicola not free for you of course um but um yeah no that that's um that's, uh, such a handy and, and concise kind of run of, of your experiences okay. and what you've learned since, since lockdown yeah. you've been tutoring much before lockdown began but you know that's put you in a very good position to see uh to, you know to kind of understand that transition and, and how other tutors might be going through it yes oh good well, thank you for that. That was a learning curve for me as well. Well, no, very good. I mean, this podcast as well is, is uh, invites on people who are uh, podcast veterans, but also those who who are just starting this kind of this new medium of, of, of getting their name and their, and their business out there. So um, we very much enjoy welcoming on, uh, you know, all areas of the education industry, all levels of, of podcast uh, awareness. And um, we would love to have you back on, Nicola. Um, oh, lovely. Yeah, Absolutely. In a few months' time, when when we've seen how the end of term has finished, and, and and really when we can drill down into what tutors can be doing now in the summer, you know, mm. maybe kind of in June or July, it would be a, a good time. But um, yeah. thank you so much. There's there's so much in there. I really, really do thank you for taking the time to 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 research those you know your responses there and to make them really kind of beneficial to tutors. So, um, no, it's an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. Very good. Okay. And as I said, uh, please do find more, you know, uh, contact uh, Nicola on, on Facebook or, or on Instagram uh, or find everything on her website, englishandhistorytutor.com. So um, th there's a little bit of extra reading for you. Okay. Bye then, Nicola. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Qualified Tutor Podcast, where tutors share their expertise to support the tutoring community. If you'd like to continue the conversation, join our Qualified Tutor community at www.qualifiedtutorcommunity.org or find it in the show notes below. We exist to connect, share and learn with you because tutoring is a small job that makes a big difference.